nice to have you here. We are going to talk again about our true selves. Where is the uh, title there for us up there, people? Be true to your real self, be real to your true self. So we're going to continue on with this message series that I've been teaching you guys. And uh, tonight we are going to talk about it being basically a reality check. And uh, I really want to talk to you about the fact that I think that there is a whole lot of fake and phonies. And I think in just about anything, and I think you can definitely find them probably in churches. And I think in any church. I don't think it matters what church, what denomination. I think we can find the fact that there are a lot of um, phonies. So we are going to talk about the fact that um, if you look at what's going on in the trend in television, how many people out there watch reality television? Do you watch quite a bit of it? I actually admit I am a reality show junkie. I love reality shows. I don't know why. I just really do. But um, if, it doesn't take much to realize that that's what ma the majority of television is about these days especially since we had that writer's strike. I mean, you notice that there was just about anything that they could put on that was reality-based is what they put on television. And years ago, this phenomenon, that's this reality craze, actually started with MTV. I mean, MTV was one of them, like, when, in 1983, when I was in high school, when I graduated, it was one of those things where um, MTV actually played videos. That's what they did. Nowadays, it's all reality shows and, and all weird stuff and you know, bizarre stuff, really bizarre stuff. But uh, actually starting out on the um, MTV was the real world, and that was the very beginning of reality television. I mean, that's where it actually physically got its start was the fact that they followed these young kids, you know, out of high school, getting into trouble, and it really gave people an idea of what was supposedly reality. Now, most of the time you find out later on that a lot of the stuff was scripted, some of the stuff was redone and, and re, you know, refilmed so that they got more maybe effect or more emotion and, and stuff like that. But <clears throat> you can see that um, because of that craze, because of the fact of real world starting out and all these others, that it, movie, movie places, I mean, they recognize they didn't have to pay all these, these exorbitant actor fees. They could just follow somebody around, and because they're being real, they realized that it just because it didn't cost them much that they could sell these, these programs and they could be very um, lucrative on what the money that they made. So, you know, it starts out with, with the real world and before long, of course, we had this barrage of reality shows. You know, American Idol. I'm sure you guys are watching. Who, how many here are, are American Idol fans? You know, American Idol. Amazing Race. Big Brother. Biggest Loser. The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, <laughs> you have all those different things. America's Next Top Model, Nanny 911, Wife Swap. You know, even channels, if you've been watching the television at all, even channels like the Cooking Channel have reality shows. It's all these different people to try to be the best chef. You know, they're, they're putting reality shows out there. And um, even HGTV, you know, did Design Star. You know, they had all these different design things that they had to do. And what it was really about was just to try to let people live together, to do life together, to watch them, you know, have to accomplish a task, but also just to watch people interact. 
You know, for someone like me, it's right up my alley. Because I'm going to tell you, when I go to the zoo, I don't go to the zoo for the animals. I go to watch the people. That's the kind of person I am. I love to watch people interact. <clears throat> you love to watch how people, like, some of them are just, you know, hang all over each other. You know, and then some people just watching people, you know, dress. I mean, seriously, I go to the fair just to check out the people. Because you go to the fair, you see all sorts. I mean, that's what it's all about. So, you know, something like reality chat, you know, reality TV for me is, like, fabulous. I love it because you get to really see things in the way um, is supposedly real. How about Survivor? How many of you guys are out there are Survivor fans? I love Survivor. I'm going to tell you, I absolutely love Survivor. You know, popular show. Actually debuted in May of 2000, so it's been on already for eight years. I mean, that's pretty amazing to think of a show lasting that long. And, you know, the thing is with reality television, it really makes some celebrities out of people that are good and then not so good. I mean, how many of you people remember Richard Hatch? Yes. We all know Richard Hatch because in really he's, he's really more like notorious than he is famous. You know, he's, he's kind of like a bad guy. And people would, um, you know, kind of got to know him. How about Johnny Fairplay? Okay. There's another one. Johnny Fairplay is another one. Bad guy, supposedly, in reality television. You know, he's caused a lot of problems. I mean, he's just outright lied, you know, when he was there, pretend like his, his grandma had died, you know, went all these different things and, and played on the emotions of the people that were there and made for good reality television. How about Colby? Yes. Yes. Colby was a good-looking good guy. I mean, good guy. And, and girls are like, yes, Colby. Um, who was the one... I loved, it was his Ethan, that was the Jewish guy that played soccer. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you, I don't even like curly dark hair like that, but he was nice looking. And uh, he was definitely very interesting. And you know what? Some of those things are really tough because, you know, you start watching these reality shows and you're like, oh, I love it because this person, all of a sudden they get voted off and you're like, well, now I don't even want to watch because it's boring, you know? So how many of you guys, if you had an opportunity, would go on Survivor? Why would you do it? Really? How many of you would do it because of the money? How many of you would do it just because, honestly, it would be the challenge? Just the challenge. The physical challenge, the idea of it. You know, I always say myself, I always say it would be the best diet plan for me because, <laughs> for one thing, I always say if I could just go off on a deserted island, for one thing, I could cut all this hair. First thing I'd do is shave my head. And then have, like, real hair that wasn't color-treated or nothing like that. And then, of course, I'd be thin because I hate everything. I'm, like, the pickiest eater even though I don't look like it. So I would actually probably be pretty thin before long. Um, how many of you guys went on Survivor would really come with some mad skills? You'd know what you're doing. Okay. You'd know how to. How many of you guys could actually you think you could spear fish? Do you remember the guy that lost the spear? You know, they hated him. How many of you guys actually think you could start a fire without a match? <laughs> All right. How many of you guys are good at solving puzzles? You know, there's always those difficult puzzles, aren't they? And they always think, of, you know, you've got to set somebody out and certain people get to play. And you always try to get the person who's good at the puzzles to, to play the game where they have to put everything in order. How many of you guys could really just compete well, run, swim, those things, you know? I mean, right now, if you're watching Survivor, you realize Ozzy is, like, amazing. Ozzy is, like, the guy is, like, 
an athlete. I mean, it's amazing what he can do. Any, like, physical challenge, especially with swimming, give it to Ozzy because he's going to win, you know? How many of you guys would just be really good at helping out? I would be the person who is cooking and cleaning, yeah, no doubt about it. How many of you guys would be laying back and letting everybody else cook and clean and just sitting there? <laughs> How long would you last on the island? <laughs> All right, how many of you guys would actually just go and just be your natural, nice self, and people would love you? Okay. Um, the point being, if you go on a reality show like a survivor, you know, if you have talents, if you have skills, you definitely don't want to hide them, do you? The one thing you want to go in is if you know how to build a fire, you're going to let people know that you can build a fire. If you've known how to spear a fish or help build a hut, or you've done all these different things. If you're great at cooking, you're going to be the person that's going to step up and say, hey, I can do that, most of the time. Then you got those people who are kind of afraid to, like, be leaders, because, you know, once you become the leader, a lot of times you're like, you're gone, you know? But you do let people know if you have skills. And you, what the, really the whole point of it is being, if you have worth, you want to show people that you have worth so that they keep you on the tribe. That they keep you around. They don't get rid of you. Like I say, all these people usually do these things, really like Survivor and all these different things that they, they compete in, The Bachelor, all these things. Most of the time it's really for money, isn't it? That's why people do it. Survivor is a million dollars. I mean, who couldn't use a million dollars? Isn't it a million? Yeah. And that's amazing. Um, how many people, I mean, there's a lot of times those, those, those reality shows that they give you 100 grand, you know, or they give you a contract. You know, like those top models and stuff like that. You get this contract to do things. You know, American Idol is, I think it is, what is it, 100 grand or something like that they give you, and then you get this contract, and, you know, you get all this fame. That's why people do it. You know, I really think I want to talk about, that's all the good points. That's all the great things about reality television and why people do it, why people go and compete and be on those things. But a lot of times I don't think they think through all of what's going to take place. Because there's a downside to reality television, and that is the fact that stress happens. You know, all of a sudden you get this, this horribly uh, stressful time. You know, when you watch those people in Survivor when it's like rained how many days in a row, and they're just like soaked, and they're freezing, and they're sitting there shivering, and they can't even move, you know. They're just like so frozen because they're so cold. You know, or they're so starving, they can't take it. You know, you look at those one girls like... Um, I can't even think which ones they were that were, honestly came so skinny that they look like walking skeletons. I mean, even like a month into it, they look like they're dying, you know. But, you know, a lot of times I don't think those people recognize that there was going to be so much stress involved. I think that they think it's going to be something that's a lot easier than it is. And I think what happens is those reality shows become a little too real for them, you know, especially when people don't get along, you know, when... Uh, Everyone around them starts bickering and fighting, and because of the fact that they're hungry and because of the fact that they're cold or because of the fact that they can't get along with this person and they, they are mouthy and they say these things, what happens is a lot of times their bad points all start to show, don't they? I mean, a lot of those people start out, you're like, wow, they're so great, they're so nice. Look at them, they're such great competitors and they're wonderful, and then all of a sudden they're like, eh. They, like, blow it. How many of you guys have ever had somebody on a Survivor uh, show or a reality show that you really, really liked, and then all of a sudden they started reacting and acting in a different way, and all of a sudden you're like, I don't think I even like them no more. I don't even, I, 
Not even hoping for them to win. I was like that with James last year. James is amazing. That guy has got muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. I mean, honestly, he is an amazing man. I mean, it is amazing to watch him. I really liked him, but then after a while, some of the things he was saying and doing, I'm like, I don't think I really like him as much as I thought I did. You know, but people change their mind after they see how people act, how they see people respond to each other. And, uh, you know, I really think that breakdown moment, those opportunities where people, like, really just come unglued and start crying and, like, I can't take it any longer. Boat me off. Get me out of here. I can't take it. That's why we watch. We hope for that. We're like, you know, waiting for it. You know, I read today, because I, I tell you, I'm, I am a reality show junkie. I love reality show. I, I don't, I hate to even admit it, but I mean, I love it. First off, starting off, cops. I am like the biggest cops fan you will ever find. I love cops. There's one episode where a woman gets pulled over, and she's really something, she's like, snickabah? I have a snickabah? That's what she says. It's hilarious. I still can laugh every time I think about it. But you know, everybody has on their wife. Wife beater tees, you know, and they're all trying to run away, and you know they're not getting away. It's just, but it's great television, you know. But people watch because they want to see something happen. They want to see somebody have an interaction and like a blow up, a fight. That's what it's all about. You know, today when I was looking and studying about this and trying to figure out more about my lesson, I found out that within the next two weeks, four people are going to be voted off Survivor. One for a medical reason. Now, if you watch Survivor, are you already thinking, I wonder what it is? wonder what happens. You know, they said it's really intense. It'll be interesting to find out what's going to be all about. But, you know, people break down, and what happens is they show all their warts, all their problems, all the things that they have bad about them. It all is revealed. And a lot of times I think those people probably really regret the fact that they blew it, that they didn't react well in a circumstance. <clears throat> and all of a sudden they respond and uh, blow up, and then all of a sudden people are like, you know, I'm voting off like, you know, Ivy. I'm getting rid of her. I can't stand her. You know, and then before long, she's gone, and then they regret it. You know, but there's hardships when you are on reality television. You know, the lack of sleep, like I say, being overworked, dealing with people, and, and people who you wouldn't necessarily ever want to spend time with. I mean, that's part of it. You know, you're put in situations with people who are completely different generation of people with you, and different work ethic. I mean, if you're a person who really is a hard worker, if you watch somebody that cannot pick up anything and do anything, you become very, very bitter and very frustrated with them. And that's what makes them break down. I think a lot of times people put on this facade, this pretense that they're going to be able to be so patient and so kind and they can handle just anything that's thrown at them and then all of a sudden they're thrown into the circumstance and then they completely blow up and respond. How many of you guys remember Shane sitting on the rock playing with this piece of wood or whatever, it was a rock, and pretend like it was a Blackberry and talking. It was hilarious. You know, you didn't know if the guy was, like, really losing it or if he was just playing games or what, but, you know, you wonder, is he kind of mental? And it makes people watch for the next time, you know? That's what happens. So um, I, I think that these people, a lot of times, they start out really thinking they're going to be better people than they are, and they're kind of pretending. They're kind of fake. And then before long they become real. <laughs> and that's what we watch for. That's the whole point. So what I want to ask you about tonight is how long before you'd break? I think all of us have our breaking points, different ways. You know, I think um, 
Every one of us, if we went, I think we'd probably be pretty embarrassed if we had a TV following us around, if we had those moments. I mean, how many of you guys can honestly say, even at the AGR when you're teenagers and you think most things can be handled, you can handle anything, how many of you guys honestly, and boys, you never want to admit this, I'm sure, but, um, you know, things kind of get tough. You know, people are riding you. They're telling you to do this. You know, your dad or mom's telling you to go out and do this, and you have all these different things that you have to accomplish. And somebody's calling you before long. Honestly, you just want to just like blow up and just cry and say, I can't take it any longer, the pressure. I just can't do it. We would be embarrassing if there was like, we'd be embarrassed if there was like a television camera right there watching us, wouldn't we? Because like, especially men, we don't want to like, you know, you wouldn't want to show that you've got like this soft underbelly, you know, that you actually respond to like, like that and freak out and have a breakdown. But I think most of us would have a breaking point. At some point, we are going to say that that's enough. I can't take it any longer. And we would start to show the people around us, our true selves, who we really, really are, who we're inside, you know. Human beings can handle a lot, you know, a lot of them thrown at them. But things happen, and our true nature starts to be revealed. You know, trials come, you know, and the tough parts of life happen. There's that saying that says when the going gets tough, the tough get going, you know? It's either you're going to be able to handle it or you're not. <clears throat> we all watch for the not. We can't wait to watch them break down. <clears throat> same thing with the Bible. If you look through the Bible, you can see those same things that happened in the Bible where really the certain things affected people and their true selves came out. And if you look through the Bible, we've had different messages lately, but I mean like Cain killing Abel. Really, just a moment of jealousy, frustration, probably watching the fact that he, for no matter what, he just seemed like he couldn't do things right. and He knew he wasn't pleasing God, and out of that frustration, he just got jealous and he killed his brother Abel. You know, how about the Israelites? You know, after Moses takes these Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, because of the fact that they got a little too hungry, a little too thirsty, a little too tired, they all started whining and crying before long, and they're like, you know, it'd just be easier just to go back and be a slave you know, that way then we were at least getting fed melons and food. You know, here we're not starving. They're willing to go back to slavery, <laughs> being beat and to be slaves because of the fact that they had a breakdown moment out of their, their frustration. How about Judas betraying Jesus? Out of greed, out of those moments, you know what, of, of seeing the different things that happened, you know, what we started to see after this whole entire experience, the true person showed themselves. Out of greed, Judas decides to betray Jesus. Saul, King Saul with David, you know, all of a sudden David kills Goliath, and Saul, who was the king at the time, gets jealous when all these girls start coming back from the, the battles. They're running out, and they're like, you know, Saul's killed thousands, but David's killed tens of thousands. And all of a sudden, this jealousy starts to rise up, and out of that, Saul tries to kill David. You know, it's those moments, those th- reality things that happen that people react in the truth way joseph's joseph's brothers you know they're going to kill him and basically they they end up you know selling him into slavery out of jealousy that's what ended up happening you know because of that experience because of their frustration they gave up peter denies jesus many times you know and, and because of fear really because of the experience of fear because of the, you know, here all of a sudden they're dealing with this 
situation where they know they're going to be under attack if they would just say that they really did belong to Jesus, that they were there with him. So they, you know, they end up having out of that, Peter denies, denies Christ, that he's even with them, and showed really his lack of loyalty at that time. You know, when things go, get tough, and, and it's rough, and people are coming against us, and there's hunger or frustration, a lot of times we respond in ways that we maybe wouldn't have wanted to respond. I'm sure each of us can probably remember a time of us really responding in a way that probably wasn't the best way. Out of really just frustration, jealousy, anger, tiredness, hunger, all those things. You ever watch that John and Kate plus eight? Again, another reality show, because I love a reality show. If you watch John and Kate plus eight, you can see that it doesn't take long before those kids completely have breakdown, meltdown moments because of hunger. Their blood sugar gets low, and they're all of a sudden they're crabby, and you know you got to feed them something quick. You know, I think that we're no different a lot of times. Just because we're older, we think that we can handle so much, but I think we just do things in different ways. Where we so we don't throw a tantrum, and maybe cry and pout and stomp our feet. I think that we kind of just react in like maybe a little frustration and anger, and it's like, you know, who are you to tell me? You know, I don't want to be told this, and kind of just we treat people in different ways. I think the really appropriate question here with these people with reality television is they don't really know who they are or who they are really doesn't come out until this situation. I think a lot of them might even be surprised of who they really are. How often do you show the true you? How often do you really reveal who you truly are to others? Now, if you've been up here for any length of time in ministry with us, you can see, I mean... Good and bad, you've seen it. <laughs> We're really real. And if we've worked, I mean, at the, the time that I always say you're really going to find out who we are and how frustration can happen is work at Hosapalooza for the week. The week before and Sunday after. I mean, it is a nonstop. Uh, JB had me fill out a sheet the other day, and it brought it all back to me, talking about what, how many hours a week I spend in doing youth ministry. And I was really thinking, honestly, that's around the clock. It pretty much is around the clock that we work on Hosapalooza. And, you know, 100-plus hours probably. And at that time, you know, it's, you're, you're impatient, you're tired, things aren't working, you're overworked, you're frustrated, you're hoping people come. You know, all these different things. You know the money you're spending and, and all these different things are going on. And the stress level is just phenomenal. You know, and then I have someone like Cassie call me up and she's crying and, I mean, I hit a permanent market and I, gotta love your kitchen counters and i'm like it's okay it's all right it's okay don't worry about it you know it's those things that happen you know it's it's those moments of breakdowns and frustrations that happen but you know what it's reality it's what takes place it's our true self that shows ourselves to others we, we start to reveal it you know so the question you know are you real to your true self are you true to your real self I think there's a lot of us that are walking around just hoping and praying that no one really sees us as we truly are. I think a lot of us don't really want to ever let anybody know where our breaking point is. They don't want us to, you know, we want to make everybody think that we have the patience of a saint and we can just handle anything and, you know, I can just take so much. And, and I mean, how many of you guys have ever been surprised by some of these people on these reality shows that honestly look like they could handle so much, and all of a sudden they're like, you know, I can't take it. Johnny Fairplay on this one. 
He wanted to go home the first week. I miss my girlfriend. She's going to have a baby, and I just want to go home. I mean, we're all like, what? There's a guy that lied about his grandma dying last time, but, you know, this time here he's ready to go early. And I think that a lot of us wear a facade. A lot of us, I think, though, are very satisfied with being the hypocrites that we are. And the reason why I say hypocrite is because it's really just a definition. Hypocrite actually comes from the Greek word, which means actor. That's what it was all about. I mean, years ago when somebody was acting in a play, they were called a hypocrite. That's what it was all about. And it was a stage actor, you know, someone who's pretending to be something that they're not. You know, other definitions of the word is a person who feigns some desirable or publicly approved attitude, especially one whose private life opinions or statements would differ from his or her public statements or a person who pretends to have virtues, moral or religious beliefs, principles, etc., that he or she does not actually possess, especially a person whose actions belie their stated beliefs. So we know there's a lot of phonies and hypocrites in church, don't we? Yes. Yes. Um, I really think that even in youth ministry, I can definitely feel sometimes as though I really just get to the tip of the iceberg with some people's personalities. I could see them on a, a weekly basis, and really I see very little of who they are. Very little. I see who they are when they're here. I don't see them in other, you know, capacities. I don't see them when they're tired. I don't see them when they're frustrated. I don't ask them to do much. I mean, if you're up here most of the time, you, I see the true self of people when we're working together. But if I don't see that part, I really don't know who you are. Um, For the most part, I wouldn't think that anybody would really care that much to impress me, because who am I? Um, But I think that a lot of senior pastors in churches would really probably have a hard time getting to know people for their real selves, especially priests. I think priests would have it really difficult to know exactly what somebody is all about because of the fact that they wear the uniform. And right off the bat, that sets a uh, a separation. I think if someone sees a priest right off the bat, they're thinking, okay, I have to act a different way. And then they're kinder, they're gentler, they're sweeter, they're this, they're that. You know, senior pastors, if you're not wearing, a, you know, a uniform or whatever, the collar, chances are you might see people a little different. But in churches throughout, most of the time you see people really on their best of behavior. I mean, they go over to the senior pastor and it's like, oh, you're wonderful, it's so nice to meet you, and all these different stuff. They wait till they get to the car before they say to the kids, get it, <laughs> hurry up, let's go, you know, all that kind of stuff. They don't show that attitude to people. You know, I think that, um, in my opinion, hypocrites are pretty annoying. Do you think? What do you guys think? You know, what do you think about a hypocrite? The fact that they're annoying? You know, a person who pretends to be something or maybe acts like they're a part of a, a social scene, you know, it can be annoying if they're really not. Um, I really think that... It's, it's kind of a frustration of mine to watch people, especially in Christianity, sometimes um, when people try to pretend like that they reflect Christ in all the things that they do, and you realize that they're really not who they say they are. They're really more about being actors and frauds or, you know, just fakes, phonies. That's what it's about. Um, I want to read you real quick what Jesus has to say about hypocrites. And it's, it's pretty interesting what he has to say. And I'm going to read you out the message translation. Because the message translation, I really love it because I can just picture exactly the circumstance and how Jesus spoke. 
with the passion that he spoke. And uh, I think it's quite interesting. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to read because it's a little bit dark here. Um, it says here, Jesus says, I've had it with you. You're hopeless. You religion scholars, you Pharisees, you frauds. Your lives are roadblocks to God's kingdom. You refuse to enter and won't let anyone else enter either. You're hopeless, you religious scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You go halfway around the world to make a convert, but once you get him, you make him into a replica of yourselves, double damned. You're hopeless, what arrogant stupidity. You say if someone makes a promise with his fingers crossed, that's nothing. But if he swears with his hand on the Bible, that's serious. What ignorance. Does his leather on the Bible carry more weight than the skin on your hands? And what about the, this piece of trivia? If you shake hands on a promise, there's nothing. That's nothing. But if you raise your hand that God is your witness, that's serious. What ridiculous hair splitting. What difference does it make whether you shake hands or raise hands? A promise is a promise. What difference does it make if your promise inside or outside a house of worship? A promise is a promise. God is present watching and holding you in account regardless. You're hopeless, you religious scholars and Pharisees. You frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime that you get, but on the meat of God's law, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute basics, you carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. Do you have any idea how silly you look writing this life story that's wrong from start to finish, nitpicking over commas and semicolons? You're hopeless. You religious scholars and Pharisees, you frauds. You burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so that they sparkle in the sun, but the insides are maggoty with your greed and gluttony. You stupid Pharisees, scour the insides and then... The gleaming surface will mean something. You're hopeless, you religious scholars and Pharisees, you frauds. You're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and the flowers bright, but six feet down it's all rotting bones and warming flesh. flesh. People look at you and think that you're saints, but beneath it, the skin, you're total frauds. You're hopeless, you religious scholars and Pharisees, you frauds. You build granite tombs for your prophets and marble monuments for your saints, and you say that if you have lived in the days of your ancestors, no blood would have been on your hands. You protest too much. You're cut from the same cloth as those murderers, and daily you add to their death count. Snakes, reptilian uh, snakes, do you think you can worm your way out of this? Never have to pay the piper. It's on account of people like you that I send prophets and wise guides and scholars. Generation after generation and generation after generation, you treat them like dirt. I think that's pretty hardcore. Again, the reason why I to always want to bring this back to Jesus is because of the fact that I think that people really misinterpret and misrepresent how Jesus was. I think for some reason in society, we have this mindset that Jesus was so peaceful and loving and walked around with white robe and, and had his hands folded. And we can see that Jesus was passionate. Jesus had no problem walking up to people if they were wrong and saying, hey, listen, you religious Pharisee, you fraud, you hypocrite. He called them out, and he straightened them out. And that's what it's all about, you know? Why do you think it's important that we don't pretend that we aren't frauds? Why? Why does it matter? Why is it we can't just continue on and just be the people that, you know, we just want to be? Why does it even matter? I heard somebody say something, and I thought, wow, this is so interesting. That's such an interesting way of looking at it. What they said was that because we may be the only Bible that people will ever read, 
I mean, isn't that an amazing thought? The thing, someone may not pick up the Bible and ever read what God's word is, but every single time they look at us, if we're hypocrites, that that's the Bible that they read, that's the Jesus that we represent. I think that's really, really heavy to our souls. If we actually call ourselves Christians, if we say that we're believers, I think there's something to that that we really need to think about what kind of person we're representing. How do we represent Jesus? Um, this is actually something which is so amazing that Paul spoke of himself. And it actually is in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, when he spoke to those that he taught. And this is so amazing because I never realized this was in here. So amazing. It says, but Jesus' primary concern was his disciples. Now, this is, this is uh, Paul talking. He says, he said to them, watch yourselves carefully so you don't get com- contaminated with Pharisees' yeast. Um, wait a second. You know what? I actually picked up the wrong one. I'm sorry. What I wanted to read to you first was it says here, when he's talking about being the only Bible that you ever read, it actually says in 2 Corinthians 3, 2, and I didn't mark it. That's why I'm confused. It says, you yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everybody. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on the tablets of human hearts. I think that's interesting because it talks about the fact that actually when we do ministry, us and CYM, it, you know what, it may be a big crowd, maybe a small crowd, maybe anybody just listen on a podcast. But the truth is what we do when we talk, when we try to explain to you what Jesus is all about, when we try to tell you the word of God, the whole reason why we do it is because we want the ministry of God, Jesus Christ, to be really written upon your hearts, to understand that, to get the point that it's not just words, empty words, it's, it's meaningful. And that if we tell you this, hopefully it actually does affect you that it comes out, and it will actually make a difference in your life. Sadly, for a lot of people, there's a lot that have a real hard time with that perception. They really have a big gap between who they say they are and who they truly are. There's a lot of people that have a hard time with that. And I I really think it's sad that we don't really represent the Christ that we say that we do in the way that we should be doing it. Um, A lot of times I think that we speak way more impressively than we are. We really talk about how wonderfully spiritual we are, how we spend time in God's word. We read, we do all these things. And then I really think sometimes, do we do the things that we say we do? Um, A lot of times we speak very, very confidently about God and all his promises. But deep down, we really doubt ourselves a lot of times the things that happen. Um, We try to appear holy but then on a daily basis, we still struggle with jealousy. We still struggle with pride. We still try to deceive people. We still lust. We still do those things that um, God tells us not to do. You know, we, we, we look holy, but inside, are we really just maggots? Are we really just, you know, are there worms inside? What, what do we have really inside of us? You know, we try to act like we have everything figured out and put together. But a lot of times there's people that are just walking around just filled with guilt. They can't handle their lives. They're so guilt-ridden. They know that if they're going to have a situation, they're going to respond wrong. And they're living in guilt, and they're really not living in any bit of victory at all in following after God. You know, you, you can do things the same way that you've always done them. You can just be the same person. You can be a person who's saying all these wonderful things and doing very little. You can continue on that path, that life. You can keep faking it if you want, or really to change, there's one other thing that you can do. 
Now, every one of us struggles. I mean, there's, there's no doubt about it. None of us are perfect. No matter how long we've been Christians, there's still going to be things that we're going to struggle with. We're going to have trials. We're going to have frustrations. But the thing that is the difference between people is you are going to confess it to someone. There's a big difference. You know what? You can pretend like you're something where you can walk up to somebody who's there for you and actually say, hey, you know what? You know, can I talk to you about something I'm struggling with? Can I talk to you about, you know, the fact that I, I, I know what you're telling me, Deb. You know, it, it sounds so good, but I really do doubt it. I don't know if I believe it. That's okay. Confess it. You know what? God's word talks about confession is so important. We need to confess the things that we really struggle with. And we need to be there for each other. This is the really big reality show that we're in. There's no more real than this. Our faith makes all the difference of whether or not we end up in eternity in hell or heaven. I mean, we better get real about this part of our lives at least, don't you think? You know, I think that Jesus obviously hated frauds. We know that. We read that. You know, I think that there's only one way that we can possibly do this, and I think it's really just to be honest with each other, to be real, to break down. We're all entertained by it any other time. Why can't we be real on a daily basis with each other? You know, why is it that some people have to act more spiritual than they are? I mean, I think most of us, if you're really following after God, you realize that, you know what, we have to just be concerned about our own selves. As much as I love and adore you guys all out there, you're wonderful. I'm thrilled when you're here every week. I have enough struggle on my own sometimes just following after God myself and being the person I'm called to be. You know what? I can't watch you continually be fake every single day and think I'm getting through to you. It's the fr- most frustrating thing in the world sometimes to watch and you're thinking, everyone's like, yes, yes, yes. But then you're thinking, but did you get it? Are you walking out of here again? Just walking out of here and not getting any of it. You have to start confessing the fact that you don't know if you believe. Be honest with people. Tell them that you're struggling, that you're doubting, that you're actually having a problem with lying, that you're having a problem with lust. Go to somebody. If you're a guy, go to another guy. Tell them your struggles. If you're a girl, go to another girl and tell them, I'm really having a hard time with this and I need people to pray. God's word says prayer is the most effective thing that we can possibly do. I think we really just need to take hold of those things, and I think we could break a lot of phoniness in our lives if we would just be willing to do that. Um, There's a personality thing that I found. I think this is really uh, an interesting thing, and we're going to try to put it up on um, on the MySpace, and it's it's actually a really interesting um, personality quiz type thing that you can do. And it's a personality study, and it's called the Johari uh, Window. And I'm going to tell you a little bit more about it. It's actually uh, two guys that actually created it. It says here they're named after the first uh, names of their inventors, <clears throat> Joseph Luft and Harry Ingram. And uh, what they did was they developed this study on how humans interact. And they have this, this plan of these four um, windows that divide a person's awareness into four different types of, of represented by the four different quadrants and uh, what what they really are is these quadrants reveal how we relate to people on a daily basis um the first quadrant is what you know about you and others know about you you know basically it's your public image it's what you put on when you're around people what you, how you interact how you respond how you do things it's basically who you are in public 
while the TV cameras are on. That's the first quadrant. The second quadrant is what you know about you, but others don't know about you. It's the private part of yourself. You know, those, those parts of yourself that maybe you know yourself that you might not reveal that you're extremely sensitive. That if someone comes up and says something to you, you're probably going to go and home and you are going to be very upset and you're going to cry. You know, it's that part that you know that others don't know. And uh, we a lot of times hide that part of ourselves a lot, don't we? The third quadrant is what others know about you, but you don't know about yourself. And I think that part's really interesting, too, because there's a lot of us living in dream world. Um, I think that could be those things that people see good in you. There might be really parts of your personality that other people think and think, you know, wow, they're really this, or they're helpful, or they're kind, or whatever. And you may not even think of yourself as that way. Or they could be very extremely annoying habits that you have. Um, you may not realize that you, you know, do a nervous laugh after time, you know, when you're, when you're speaking, that you laugh and you say something funny. You, don't, might, you might not know that. And it could be just your blind spot, the things that you don't aware, you're not aware of, you know. And people would probably have to point them out to you for you to see them. The fourth quadrant is what you don't know about you and others don't know about you. And that part right there is all about the Holy Spirit. Right there, we talk about the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the whole help of the Holy Spirit is really just to reveal things to us about ourselves and about people, and it's just a help. It's a help and an interaction type thing. And the Holy Spirit's going to reveal things about ourselves and others and uh, things that we don't know, and it will reveal to other people about us, and, and that's what's so amazing about the Holy Spirit. But the second quadrant, I, I think the second quadrant, like I said, is the most interesting because I think it's what we truly, really are all about, who we really are as people, but the people that we really don't necessarily show others. You know, we definitely hide parts of ourselves from other people because of fear. We don't really want to tell people who we really are because we're afraid they're not going to like us. I mean, most of us have that feeling. You know, I don't want to tell you that I have a bad day. You know, I only show that to my husband because of the fact that if I show you, you might not like me. You know, um... That's what we do. We do as people. We're human nature. We tend to hide those things that we think aren't as great, you know, those things that aren't so wonderful about ourselves. And I think that out of that fear, the fact that if I don't show you, I think what happens a lot of times is we kind of just like sink back into ourselves. We become more and more lonely. We're afraid that we're going to get rejected. And because of that, we just honestly get so shut off from the world around us sometimes. And it's, it really is just a very lonely way to live. And it's never, was ever the way that Jesus wanted us to live at all. Again, like I said, his plan is for us to be transparent with others, to confess our sins, to tell things to each other, to be a support for each other, to show love and compassion. When you're having a tough day, it's my job to walk up and really say, hey, can I help you? You know, what do you need prayer for? Is there something wrong? Is your life, you know, do you need something? You know, or, you know, you might not feel like you're a good person. Let me tell you that you are. You know, it's, it's that kind of stuff. You know, I think we can be our own worst critics sometimes, and we just really need to confess the things that we're afraid about or the things that we're scared of or the things that we struggle with so someone can say that there's hope, that you can make it. You know, we are never, ever going to be effective for Christ if we're not honest. We have to be honest. We have to be honest people because honesty is what's going to make the difference 
in our lives. And then the only way we're going to ever be effective to the people around us is if we start to get our lives in order. Because when we get our lives in order, it's, it's obviously to the people, it's very obvious to see that our lives are, are making sense. They're like, what is it about you that things are working okay? How can I have that? Again, we may be the only Bible that they ever read. If we're fakes and phonies and liars, and they recognize it because they see us act in a certain way, we're really just doing a complete disservice to God. There's a saying that says, profession without confession means nothing. And it, it's so true. To profess Christ, but never confess any one of our, our fears or our problems, will never make us effective at all. We have to be able to confess our faults, our problems, and at that point, then we can quit living these mediocre lives and, and quit sitting in church pews or church chairs or whatever church it is looking like we have it all together when our lives are falling apart. And most of the time, things aren't so good and we're not so happy and we're very lonely. You know, I've I seen kids for years now, six years doing youth ministry and for years doing um, missionettes and, and other things in Sunday school. And you see people come in and tell me that they believe in and they're living for Christ and all these different things. But then you know what? They forget all about the fact that there's MySpace or YouTube. All these different things that you can see. MySpace is an eye-opener. I'm going to tell you, I think a lot of times young people forget that people see things. And I'm like always amazed that I'm like, Wow. Why are you putting that out there? Um, you know, people will talk about the fact that we say that we believe in Christ, but then we'll talk about all this luck and post this. Repost this, because if you don't repost this, your life is going to, you're going to lose your boyfriend, you're going to have all this, you know, your life's going to come to an end. That's not of God. That's a joke. I've had people come up here and tell me that they profess Christ. I go on their MySpace and they put down that they're bi. Okay. Okay. Don't quite get that. But they'll sit there and tell me a different thing. It's like, you know what? There's a disconnect there. There's something wrong. Either you're lying to me or you're lying to God. One or the other is happening or you're lying to the people around you. Either, you know what? You really do love God and you're pretending like you're this rotten sinner. Man, do it the opposite way. You know? Quit going down in the sewer with these people. And if you really do believe it, start living it. Start really respecting God and for what he did for you. Don't, don't be willing to just throw all this aside. You know, you have to confess what you know, and the Holy Spirit's going to show you those things that you don't know about yourself. You know, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? Do you believe that? I mean, we're coming upon Easter. The whole entire reason why that happened, we know the Old Testament was all these rules and regulations, taking all these animals into the, into the temple to kill you know, for our sins, really to be a sacrifice for us to be able to be clean. It wasn't working. There's no way that was going to work. So what ended up happening to happen was God's plan all along was that Jesus was going to be the most perfect sacrifice for us. And because of that, we can be made clean. We can be made holy. The whole point of why he died for each one of us, everybody on this earth, he died for every one of our sins. And then we know he dies in three days he rises, you know, he rises and comes back to life, and then we know he's coming back. You know, do we believe that for real?
Do we really believe it? I mean, we, we're coming upon Easter. When you come to service, are you going to be really, really um, praising God for that? Or are you just going to be there because it's something you're supposed to do on Easter? You have to really get your mind wrapped around what's true for you. I'm going to tell you, being here week in, week out, going to church on Sunday and never really believing this, you might as well just stay home. You might as well just stay home. It's not doing you any good. Not one bit. If you're not really getting something out of it, it's not because you believe it, then you know what? You're just really causing other people problems. Because really, we just have to run through and, and put up with all this muck and mire around everybody because they're distracting, there's problems, and you're just thinking, please, I just, I'm trying to share the message of Christ here. This is a life or death decision, and it's really important that you get it. We have to quit wearing a mask. We have to quit being a fraud, and we have to quit being hypocrites because it doesn't do you no good, and it's definitely not doing any good for those people around you anymore. You have to quit it. And how you have to do it is you have to be willing to be honest and live in a reality show with the cameras right there with the bright lights and go up to someone and say, you know what, I'm struggling here. I don't know if I necessarily believe. I might even have confessed it. But I'm not for sure if I really believe it because on a daily basis, I'm not really even do the things that God would want me to do. I need help. That's called being real. That's what it's all about. Uh, Luke 12. This is what I actually screwed up earlier, <laughs> didn't, didn't read you right. Luke 12, 2 and 3 says, but Jesus' primary concern was his disciples. He said to them, watch yourselves carefully so that you don't get contaminated with Pharisee's yeast. Pharisee's phoniness. You can't keep your true self hidden forever. Before long, you'll be exposed. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask is going to slip and your true self will be known. You can't whisper one thing in private and preach the opposite in public. The day is coming when these whispers that you repeated all over town will be out in the open. We need to understand that. He hears our true hearts. So for us to just sit there and say something just because you think someone wants to hear it, there is no point. And the truth, it doesn't help me anymore, and it sure doesn't help him. Speak truth, speak grace, because you can't have one without the other. You know, when you're talking to your friends, tell them about the grace of God. But please, if you're a Christian and you know that your fellow brother or sister in Christ says that they're believers, then you know what? Be willing to say, hey, you know what? Your life's not matching up. It's talked about, God's word says, speak the truth in love. I think we have to quit being worried all the time that we're going to offend somebody. We see Jesus didn't have any problem with calling people out and say, hey, you religious fake, you phony, you Pharisee. Why can't we do it with love and say, hey, you know what? Your life's not matching up. It's just not matching up no more. I think we need to pray. I think you really have to ask yourself sometimes is, you know, would you even get on Survivor? Are you even going to make it to heaven? You need kicked off before you even get there. It's a reality show here. There's no fake. This can't be acted and redone again. You get one time, one time only to make this choice, and that's it. I mean, there's no go-backs. It's not like other religions where, you know what, you didn't make it in this one, so you get the next life to try it again. This is it. This is the stage production here. This is all there is. Your choice and what you're going to follow now, your life. And I can't do it for you. Your parents can't do it for you. No one can but you. So anyway, I want to pray for you real quick.
And uh, I really just want to give you an opportunity to really come up and pray with somebody up here. I'm going to have those people that can come up and, and be at the altar. If you're struggling with something, please don't keep it to yourself. Be willing to come up and confess what you're fearful about, what you're struggling with. And you know what? These people that are up here are not going to tell your business to anybody. The thing is, you have to confess it. There's a lot of power in what we let our words say. I mean, if we voice something, God hears it. And I think it's so important for us. So I'm going to have people come forward, if I could, have a couple people that work the altars and uh, have you here, some guys too, because I definitely need some guys so that guys can go to guys. Uh, Maybe Russell or something can come forth. And I just want to pray with you. It's 8.30, but if you have a couple minutes, you know what? It's worth being a minute or two late to come up and pray with somebody, okay? All right, if you could just bow your heads, please. And then uh, after we pr- I pray for you, if you need to come forth and pray with somebody, and if you just need prayer for something else, come up and pray with somebody, okay? Um, Lord, I just pray that you would just be with each person that's here tonight. I just pray that just your, your Holy Spirit, Lord, that convicts and challenges us, Lord, would do its job tonight, that your Holy Spirit would just speak to us and help us, Lord, to just be tapped on the shoulder. If there's things in our life that um, we're not matching up, if we're at all looking phony or fake or pharisaical, Lord, that you would just help us, Lord, to just be, uh, just let that be made evident to us. I just pray that you would help us be the people that you called us to be, and Lord, that we could actually really reach those people that are around us, Lord, our family, our friends, people we go to school with, Lord, that we would actually be effective because this may be the only chance that they get. This may be the only Bible that they get to read. This is as close as they may ever get. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us all, Lord, just to understand that, to just grasp that tonight, that we can't just keep walking away and thinking that we're okay by being the fake and phonies no more. I just pray that you just be with each person that's here tonight, Lord. I just pray that you bless them for coming. And I just pray, Father, that we would just be really real and evident with each other. And, Lord, we just thank you for everything you're doing for each one of us. We praise you. We thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Amen.